Well, the last, the last line there is the mob. Guess what today is? The mob. We uh, today officially finished the Going Rogue series. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for being in the journey with us where we have looked at people who have made bad decisions, done some bizarre things. I hope you've learned from their mistakes. I'm trying to learn from these mistakes. And today, we're not looking at an individual person. Um, we are looking at what is called the mob in, uh, in the Bible. That's just how it's defined, the mob. And you'll see why here in a minute. I think, I think it's important for us to ask a couple questions. I don't know if you've ever been made fun of for a position you hold or a, a, a conviction that you have. Have you ever been harassed by something that you believe in to be sacred but no one else does or someone's made fun of you? You know, in the big picture, it's called persecution. The early church, they were persecuted. They went to jail. Many of them died believing that Jesus was the Messiah. We don't have much of that in our culture, at least not yet, not in America. And I'm thankful. I was thinking this week when Bonnie and I walked down into Old Town and we walked our ballots on Tuesday and we placed them in that box where our voice was heard. We filled it out. We put the little dots where we preferred. You had that opportunity to put it in there before Tuesday. And what an amazing thing. If you've never lived in a country where you have no say, you can't fully appreciate what we have in America. Then it led me to believe what we're celebrating tomorrow on Veterans Day. I'm able to put that ballot in that box because many people before I was ever born served and fought and declared that this country would be free. Freedom of speech and freedom of religion. It's why we can gather here. If you are a veteran and you are here or you are currently serving, would you please stand and let us say thank you for what you have brought to this great nation, America. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Say it with me, church. Thank you. It means a lot. Paul and Silas did not have that opportunity. They did not have someone who defended their rights. They did not have someone who would go to war so they could proclaim the gospel, but they proclaimed it anyway. Think about that. Knowing they, they could be killed. And that's what happens in the story is they, they could have been killed. And it's a pretty scary story. So look in your outline, turn it over. I know there's tons of blanks. Does that scare you when you look at that? It's like, ooh, we'll go fast. Number one, Paul and Silas had healthy routines. I just want you to observe that in their life, they did the same thing in every town they went into. It's healthy routines that sometimes save us from a lot of hassles in our lives, especially if our routines remain healthy. In Acts chapter 17, you can just leave your Bible open. We're going to go verse by verse through this. They've just come out of a city where they've been beaten. They've been thrown in jail. <laughs> and then they're going to go do it again in Thessalonica. They've been traveling through the towns of Amphipolis, Apollonia, and they come to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. And look at this line. As was Paul's custom. 
Okay, that's the routine I'm talking about. He went to the synagogue service for three Sabbaths in a row, and he used scriptures to reason with the people. He explained the prophecies, and he proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is, in fact, the Messiah. This is what he did in every town he went into. The reason we have a lot of the New Testament is because Paul went into Ephesus, Philippi, Colossae, and, then he, and, and, and people were saved. And then he's writing letters back to the church in Philippians and Colossians and Ephesians. We have these letters. It all started by him going into the synagogue and preaching the message about Jesus and people being converted. Healthy routines save us from many issues in our lives. Paul's goal was to bring the truth about Jesus. Number two in your outline, speaking up can bring good fruit. Just being vocal, just saying what your convictions are can be good. And I want you to see in verse 4 what happened in Thessalonica. Some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and they joined Paul and Silas along with many God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. What's happening here? Thessalonica has a revival. All of a sudden, we've got people who are coming to faith. The angels in heaven are rejoicing, and these people's lives are being converted. This is good news. This is what we pray for at Timberline every single day. Lord, bring people to the kingdom of God. I, have a, I wonder sometimes if, because of the culture, and I want to talk a lot about our culture today, we have lost some of our courage as believers to even bring up the name of Jesus, to even have a discussion with somebody, because we're in such a, a turmoil time where religion just is so divisive. Do you, guys think, do you guys think people still have an open mind to at least talk about religious ideas? What do you think? Some do, some don't. You know, some are very closed, or they'll talk about it if you'll listen. But they're not interested in hearing your view, right? But I think there are people in our culture that need us to be the voice of reason. And Paul didn't stop just because he got beat up at the place before. This, this speaks to me. I, I sometimes just, I don't like that fear, and I, I don't want to be stupid either. But I do think we need to listen to the whispers of the Spirit and not be afraid to use our voice and to somehow come forward with our convictions in conversations. And I'm going to give you some ideas today of how to do that in a way that makes sense, that I feel are godly ways. Number three, your convictions will create controversy. I don't think there's any way around this. If you have convictions that bear truth from the Bible especially then there's going to be controversy surrounding you when you talk about those convictions because our culture has said goodbye to much of the truth, especially when it comes to moral conduct and sin and defining sin from what the Bible actually teaches. Verse 5, some of the Jews were what? Jealous. That's a very important point in this. So they gathered some troublemakers. Get this. You can always find those from the marketplace to form a mob. There it is. That's where we get the title. And to start a riot. They attacked the home of Jason. Jason has done nothing wrong. He's the guy who 
Paul and Silas are staying with. So they attack him, searching for Paul and Silas, so they could drag them out to the crowd. You know what their hope was? Their hope was that the crowd would beat up Paul and Silas and maybe even kill them. Because it happened in the past. It had happened before. Man, things go bad in a hurry. Listen, jealousy often creates serious anger. Anger creates illogical responses from people. And these responses often turn into violent acts. And we're seeing it all over our world. We're seeing it almost everywhere you look where people, unchecked, in their anger because of a reaction, are taking the lives of innocent people. This is exactly what's about to happen in Thessalonica. Now we must not be naive to believe that vocalizing our convictions will be easy or that we will be accepted. We must be wise, but we must be honest. Number four, you will be falsely accused. Now this is where the story turns really ugly. And I really want you to pay attention to this. I know this was a couple thousand years ago, but I want you to look at our culture and the trends that we are living with now. You're going to be falsely accused. So in verse 6, it says this, Not finding Paul and Silas there, they dragged out Jason. <laughs> it's like, whoever's in here is guilty. And some other believers instead, and they took them before the city council. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world. Do you think that's an overstatement? Uh, yeah, a little bit. But that's what they do. That's what this group does. It's an overstating of what actually happened. They've caused trouble all over the world, they shouted. And now they are here disturbing our city too. All over the world, really? I just shake my head. People often exaggerate our convictions. You know, I, I have so many stories in our, our church of people have told me that you said something at work or you stood up for what you believe or you're, and suddenly you are a hate person. Suddenly you hate a group of people. You hate them, you hate them, you hate them. And it's not true. You never said you hated them. You're simply trying to talk about a conviction that you have. And it's ugly. And I'm seeing in a culture we live in, it's getting more hostile all the time. Number five, you will be guilty by association. I want to talk about this one for a minute because just associating with other believers, and if you say you believe the Bible is true, you are at risk of being hated by others. And I, this is what's happening in verse 7. Jason has welcomed Paul and Silas into his home. Then he says, they say, they are all guilty of treason. Well, let's just jump to that. Treason against Caesar, for they profess allegiance to another king named Jesus. They knew that treason would get their heads lopped off. So they went to the ultimate. And that's what often happens in our world is we try to, to speak our mind. We try to say our little humble opinion. And all of a sudden, our head is about to be lopped off. Some of you have lost your job for speaking truth. I, I've, I've had so many conversations. Some of you have been criticized, you've been warned, you've been written up, all because you believe in the truth about Jesus and the mandates of the Bible. 
What, why is it that we can disagree with so many people about so many things, but when it comes to religion, it's like, wow, a knife or moral code. It just, it just polarizes people. Let's just try a little test here. You say out loud, yell it out, what you like better. Ready? Chicken or fish? I heard both. What's wrong with some of you? <laughs> Hamburger or hot dog? <laughs> some of you are like, well, if the hot dog has cheese and chili on it, then. How many of you would rather live on an acreage or downtown with people? Downtown with people. Wow. See, we're just not in unity around here. <laughs> See, the point is we, we have different preferences. And, and I have pastor friends who study in a coffee shop with, on their laptop, and there's people coming and going, and, and I just can't even imagine that. i got to go to my little isolation and get quiet. I don't even want music on. I want it still and quiet. Why? That's just how I'm wired. But not everyone likes that. So I have to learn what it means to be able to pay attention to other people. I think I'm not sure that it's willing we should be willing to fight over our preferences. But when it comes to religion, I'm not allowed to have a different opinion than some people think I should. They will not tolerate it. Suddenly, I am I'm stupid, I'm ignorant, I'm uneducated. The labeling goes on and on onto me, all because I don't share their opinion. Part of the problem is that we associate people with the experiences that we have had. Let me, let me give you an example. I, I hear Christians, and, and they label people. Um, we label like all Muslims. And there's this idea that we have about all Muslims. Or we label those Republicans, those Democrats. And, and we put them all in the exact same. Can I just tell you that those labels are very destructive when it comes to the kingdom of God because God loves every person that has ever been created. And I don't want to have that label jump out at me before I'm looking into the eyes of a person. Jesus always looked into the eyes of a person. Many people in America have had a terrible experience with Christians. Terrible. Many of you have been wounded by church. I grew up in a church that I love and I thank God for. But I'm telling you, some of the legalistic rules were just silly. You couldn't do anything. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I mean, I think I've told you this. I had a note sent to me with me to school that I didn't have to do the hokey pokey in gym class. Because it was dancing. Dancing. Man, that's evil. Dancing. Matter of fact, I was taught not to have premarital sex because it might lead to dancing. Bad stuff. I, I'm sitting on the bleacher with Jocelyn. She was a pastor's kid. And during gym class, she had a note sent too that she couldn't dance. And so, so all of our classmates in junior high and middle school, were out, they were out there doing the hokey pokey and we're stuck making out on the bleachers. It was a terrible... <laughs> Terrible thing. I'm kidding. But you get the point, right? I've recovered from that. But here's what I want you to know. Many people have been wounded by what we call Christian. I've read the polls. What do you think of Christians? 
Why are you not going to church? Church attendance is going down across America. Thank you for being here. I mean that. Guys, we need to be a strong church. We need to be a lighthouse. We need you here. We need you fighting and climbing up this mountain with us in a loving, kind way. And, and, and it's the top three always change a little bit here and there, but one of the big ones is always too many hypocrites. Well, yeah. <laughs> How many of you are still in a journey? I am. I'm working it out. I'm trying. I'm trying to climb this, ha- this mountain with you. If we're family, we're going to have some messed up people among us, right? I always get tickled when someone says, oh, you wouldn't believe who I saw in our church today. They should not be here. I'm going to tell you, they're bad. I'm like, thank God they're here. They saw you. (laughs) They just came and talked to me about you. No, I'm kidding. All they want is our money. It just goes on and on. And, and then there's anger. People get angry toward believers and Christians. And let me, here's, here's one thing that might help you understand. I've thought a lot about this. And I pray that you can receive this in your heart. You know what we have as believers, as followers of Jesus? This is big. We have the ability to take that 100-pound backpack of our sin and our shame and our guilt and our treason and all of our stuff that we have that is horrible and it's, it's the depth of our soul that's been ugly and dark and we're embarrassed by it. And we get to take that off of our back and lay it at the feet of Jesus and say, there you go, you carry it now because I can't carry it anymore. And Jesus says, that's why I came. That's why I came. You guys, the fact that we get to do that tells us something. We live free. I'm free of that stuff. Do you know how wonderful that is? The person who doesn't believe that carries that backpack, that weight, that depression, that discouragement. They carry that every single day, day after day, week after week. It's in their life. They sleep with it and they can't get rid of it. No wonder they're angry and tired. What do you do with that? You vent. You vent and you blame and you accuse. No wonder. We should just expect it. Jason in this story was guilty by association. Number six, God did not promise that it would be easy. So we just need to be ready for for the battle in our culture. I, I could get worse before it gets better. I don't know. But it's not going to be easy. As a matter of fact, look at verse 8. The people of the city, as well as the city council, were thrown into turmoil by these reports. So everybody's hearing about this. So the officials forced, big word, Jason and the other believers to post bond. And then they released them. They went through a really big hassle for doing nothing except offering their home. Jason said, yeah, you can stay here. Wow. Be careful who you let stay in your house. Association. Jesus said when he was leaving the earth, we often forget this as believers. He looked at the crowd before he ascended into heaven and he said, I need to tell you something. 
in this life, you're going to have what? Tribulation, trouble. You're going to have trouble. And then he said, but I have good news. I will be with you always, even to the end. In other words, you're going to have trouble, but you're not going to be alone. I, I think of a story, Gene Jackson, who's been a mentor. He's, he's with the Lord now. Older guy who's a statesman, an evangelist, a teacher, preacher. He, he told a story when he was a little boy. They lived out in the country. And, and his dad one time set him down and said, Son, you're old enough to walk to school by yourself. I've been doing this with you for many years now. And you're old enough. You're strong. You know everything. And I trust you to just walk to school on your own. Gene said, well, I'm kind of afraid. It was about a half a mile. He said, I don't know if I, if I can do that. And his dad said, I believe in you. You can do it. And so, boy, his first time, Gene tells the story of how these, this road was lined with trees. And he heard every bear, every lion, every, you know, he could hear stuff. And he would take off running for school and, and run home and walk. But after the first week was over, he was so excited. And he felt good about it. And he said to his dad, I'm doing great. His dad said, have you been afraid? He said, well, I'm really not anymore. I've gotten used to it, even though I, sometimes I feel very alone. His dad said, Gene, I just want you to know something. The minute you took your lunch pail and you got on that road, I jumped in the tree line and I walked beside you every single day and home every single day. You were never alone. You know, there are many times in our lives where that's exactly what happens with God. We can't see him. We can't feel him. We don't know he's there. But trust me, he is in the shadows walking over every step that we are taking. And you are not left alone. I, I thank God for that. And boy, do I need to hurry. <laughs> Practical ways we impact our culture. Let's go. Now, I have to say this. Keep in mind that we... I'm. This list is built in, for America. This, I don't think there are some of these things that would actually work in other countries because of how close they are to the gospel. So I'm talking about where we live. Number one, genuinely care for people. Genuinely care for people. You don't have to pretend to like people. This should be a genuine love from God. And I get tickled with Christians getting ready to go fix a fence or work, you know, in missions. And they'll say, now, you know, act nice. <laughs> like, like smile. Like, you know, pretend to be kind. We know you're really not. You know what I'm saying? This is a fruit that should come into us and out of us naturally by the Spirit of God. People can quickly tell. They can read your heart. They smell fake coming. Number two, listen to opposing views. It be, be, be a listener. Open your heart. Don't just give it all your side, your opinion. This costs time. That's about it. People are starving to tell you their opinion on everything. They want to talk about what they feel. I, I've had this happen even recently. And let me just give you a few questions I ask when someone's challenging me and my beliefs. And they give me their view and they're right and this is how it's supposed to be and everyone should believe this. I'll say something like this. Are you remotely open to a different view? If they say no, I say okay, then move on. Another thing that I say is, are you okay is our friendship okay if I, if I respectfully disagree with you? 
Well, what do you disagree with? Well, would you like me to tell you? And many times I've had open doors because of that statement. Another one that I say, I said this recently to someone because they were livid about it. They just kind of lit into me and it wasn't me. I said, you seem really passionate or almost angry about your view. Is there a story or something that caused you to be so adamant about this particular thing? Oh, yeah, they said. Let me tell you what happened to me. There you go. People have stories that are they're never told because no one asks them. Once you ask them and you hear their story, it makes sense. Number three, bring gentle and logical responses to opposing views. You, you don't just shoot them back. You don't just all of a sudden say, well, you're stupid. You idiot. Don't you have a brain? I'm, I'm serious. There are Christians that do that. They think that that bullying is going to work, and it doesn't work. Uh, this passage is really tricky for me. I've been trying to look at this every day this week. Philippians 2.14. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Are you kidding me? How do you get through a day? See, I just complained. Look at this, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world filled with crooked and perverse people. They're supposed to see that we are not like that. Wow. And be careful of your facial expressions while they're telling you their view, you know. There's actually, a, there's actually a thing that psychologists do with married couples who are working through conflict where they sit them in a chair back to back so they can't see each other when they talk. You know, someone will say, well, I didn't say a word. I know, but you gave me that look. What look? You know, that look like. I'm way too good at that, right? I, I like to ask this question, especially in light of, of, a, of, a, of a conflict or a, a big communication gap between me and another person. I like to filter it by saying this. Will this person, when we walk away from this conversation, will they feel valued when we're done talking? Or am I just trying to beat them up? You guys, we need to leave people feeling valued by God, not just something else. Number four. Value the person more than being right. Being right is wonderful. But if you don't value the person first, being right isn't going to matter. You're not going to have a chance to put that into their soul or their spirit if they hate you when you're done being right. Right? <laughs> right. We're in a culture of proving Boy, just think of politics right now. We're in a culture of winning. We're in a culture of beating up our opponents. We're in a culture of humiliating people who do not share our view. And it's in your face and it's full on attack. I never want us as Christians to be that. Even though you know you're right, there are three words that will change everything in the world. And they're not I love you, though those are powerful words. In conversation like this, those three words are tell me more. And that takes time and energy. When you say to someone, tell me about that view. How did you come to that feeling? What happened in your life to cause you to, to have that conviction or lack of conviction? 
Why do you hold that view? Tell me about it. Tell me more. Number five, expect criticism. Man, Paul went all over the then known world preaching the gospel. He went to jail. He got beat up all the time. But guess what? He had a lot of converts too. You're going to be criticized by someone about any view you have on anything. That's just the world we live in. So you're going to have to decide, how am I going to live best with criticism? Let me, let me just give you an example. So let's say that I say, I still think the Denver Broncos are the best team in the NFL. God has said it. No. How many of you would have an argument that you could disagree with me about? You're compelled to disagree with me. Okay. Well, you're wrong. You're probably right. Do I have a right to hold that opinion? I do. People hold opinions all the time that are not right. So how am I going to get into their life regardless of what their opinion is? And befriend them and build trust there. These are very important types of thoughts. And we need to pay attention to this. Finally, last thing, who is the mob now in our culture? You know, in this day, Thessalonica, they had some rebels who jumped up and it created a mob and a riot and all that. But but what is that in our culture today? Who's the mob? We have we have people filled with violence, don't know how to express it. They kill people, they say horrible things, they act out. We have forces of evil alive and well looking to destroy. Can I just tell you, I'm going to be blunt, and I'm, I'm a happy guy. I'm a glass half full guy. But I have to stand here and tell you I'm a realist as well, and I want you to know this world that we live in, the evil one is roaming, and he's playing for keeps. And he wants to stab you. He wants to get a hook in you. There's so much substance abuse. There's so much anger. There's so much that can get a hook in people. And they don't even hardly know they're hooked until they try to get away. And I want you free of that. I don't want you picking up that backpack again and trying to carry that load. You have Jesus. You have freedom. You stay there. And if you don't have, then you need to give your life to him today and get that burden off of your back because you can't bear it. That's why he came. That's why he came. Things may get worse before they get better, but we have a God who will be with us always, all the way to the end. Amen? Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we need you. We need your strength. We yield to you. Talk to us. Let your spirit just come into our hearts. Quicken us to speak truth to people. Give us courage when it's appropriate to say the gospel, to live the gospel. Spend us. With heads bowed in here, a couple things. First of all, how many of you would just, don't raise your hand, this is between you and God. I've been one of those people who have said some mean things about a group of people, and I shouldn't. I feel bad. I, I want forgiveness. I've, I've stereotyped people. And I'm not going to do that anymore because God sees every individual, not just a race or a group. He sees the person. And everyone's not the same. 
And if you've done that, then please pray that God will help you to no longer live in that in your mind or heart and to see individual people as they stand in front of you. Ask him to cleanse you right now and to show you when you're doing that and when anger comes. The second thing is, I really, I, I do, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand for this one because I want to agree with you in prayer. Some of you have lost your kids because of a legalistic church that they just couldn't be a part of it. Some of you have, have lost your way because of church hurt, because of, of someone who did something, said something, wounded you, and you're, you're wounded, and it's a scar in you, and you don't know if you can trust God. You don't know if you can trust the people of God. But if you have a prodigal out there in your family, a nephew, a niece, a, a member, or you yourself are struggling with being hurt in church and trust and all that matters, could I pray over you? Would you just slip up a hand to God? Not to me, to God. Hold it up for them or for you or anyone else. Just hold it up right now. Call their name out right now as I pray. Lord, we pray for you know them. You know where they are. You, you call them by name. And we pray, Lord, that the hurt and the pain and the sorrow and the grief that they have in their life would find a place of healing, that your spirit would somehow come over them and overshadow them and speak love and grace to them. Lord, renew those who have, have somehow stepped out of that grace in God. Let them know you're really there. You are their friend and you care deeply about who they are. Lord, we trust you with these names, these, these sons and daughters, these moms and dads, these men and women. We lift them to you, God, because we care. And we pray over them now as a church, as a family. We love you. Lord, finally, last thing. You can put your hands down. Lord, show us how to be vocal when we can. Show us how to live it out. Show us how to be real and genuine and authentic as we lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus and with others. Thank you for the mission of your church. We love you today. We give you our lives afresh and anew. Amen.